Kicks We Trust. In Kicks We Trust. In Kicks We Trust. In Kicks We Trust. In Kicks We Trust. Welcome to episode 95 of the In Kicks We Trust podcast. I am here with four-fifths of the In Kicks We Trust team. Kev, how's it going? What's going on, everyone? Kali, how's it going? Oh, it's spectacular. It's NFL season. The game is on right now. I couldn't be happier. And sneaker con's a week away, right? So, like, it's almost like Christmas. We'll see how you feel after (laughs) after we finish this podcast and depending on how the Bills are doing. (laughs) Uh, They're still going to be doing better than the Eagles, I'll tell you that. All right, all right, all right. Let's temper let's temper that down here, okay? We haven't even played a game yet. You can't say that yet. <laughs> Rich, how's it going? What's good? And this week we are joined by Will. You may know Will. He is one of the founders of SneakerCon. So he's going to be joining us as we have SneakerCon coming to Toronto. Uh, it'll be five days after we release this podcast. So, Will, welcome to the show, man. We appreciate you jumping on with us. Hey, what's going on, guys? And what's up to all the listeners? Pleasure to be on with you guys. It's a real honor to be able to speak to you know, your community and hopefully have a bunch of them over at the SneakerCon event in Toronto next week or later in the week. Yeah, man, we're, we're really excited that you were able to jump on with us. We're excited to get into a, a little bit of the back, you know, on SneakerCon. So, uh, and yeah, this is the first time SneakerCon's going to be back up here since 2019. So three years, I think. Yeah, obviously, you know, we haven't been, haven't been back to Toronto since COVID epidemic. Yeah. And, um, you know, we didn't get a chance to stop by last year when we started like halfway through the year doing events again. So, you know, we, we got to hit Vancouver earlier in the year and that was dope, but Toronto is always a special event for us. So we're super hyped to get back. And we're super excited to have you back, man. We're, we're really excited for SneakerCon to be back in the city. So it's, it's going to be a good one. So hopefully you guys have listened to this before you go to SneakerCon or you're listening to it maybe on your way to SneakerCon. Either way, hopefully we'll see everyone at SneakerCon. But yes, Will, welcome to the show, man. We're, we're really excited to have you on. Yeah, same here. So let's start this off how we usually do with our weekly wears and pickups. So Kev, why don't you lead it off? Yeah, sure. I'll save the pickups for another episode, but I'll just go through the the wears quickly. I wore the Air Max 1 um, Evolution of Icons. I also wore my Air Trainer 1 Chlorophylls. I also rocked the, uh, what I call the Air Kodatsky, so that uh, custom hybrid that I did with the Air Max 97 upper and the Air Max 1 uh, midsole. Air Max 1 Reptiles, I busted those out. Also had a Dunk Low ID that I rocked, um, and then Bread 4s, and then also my Bread 1s. So those are my wears for the week. Short one for you this week. It's I think it's a short Nice. Collie, what about you? You know, pickups, uh, I- I'm really excited right now for SneakerCon, because last time SneakerCon happened in Toronto, I was in China. And SneakerCon happened in Guangzhou, but I was working in the day, so I couldn't make it to SneakerCon Guangzhou. So I've been holding off all the pickups just to give myself a little budget to look for one or two shoes at SneakerCon. So that's where I'm leaning forward. Uh, other than that, you know, I picked up this Buffalo Bills jersey and Josh Allen off of Grailed. You know, it looked legit in the pictures. The guy claimed it was legit, but it was only $40. And when I got it in hand, I realized, like, I, I know my jerseys and my stuff it's a really really good rep but it is a rep and especially when i looked at the size tag like what what's this and then it peeled off and it said double xl underneath but it says large right here i'll have to show you guys on sometime but no that that's it um as 40 dollars special 
I know, but I thought it was used, you know, and if I wanted to, I could have been like, hey, it's a rep, whatever. I let him have the money. I, we settled it. It's okay. But uh, as for wares, I've really only been wearing the Air Max 1 tree line a lot, more than my Ultra Boost recently. I mean, it's not better, but it's just something I've been wearing this fall. And that's pretty much it because I've been working so much. I haven't had time to wear sneakers other than from like out to the bus and back. And you don't want to wear nice, nice sneakers on the bus all the time because uh, it's not the cleanest Mississauga Transit. But that's my week. Got nothing to do with clean. It's just there's so many people that would be stepping on your shoes. I'd be more worried about people stepping on it than anything. And I don't know. There's fluids on the floor, so I don't know what those are. So there, I know I, I had to go into the office, and one of our our team members took the uh, the streetcar, and he was like, "Man, it, it's sorry." He took the streetcar in the subway, and he was telling me, "Man, it was so packed on there." I'm like. Oh man, I thought about wearing nice shoes today. Could you imagine if I wore? I was thinking about wearing my Sean Witherspoons yesterday. Actually, I was like, "Oh my god, I would have been having a fit if I had to take the like the TTC, the uh, the subway, and the streetcar into the office." Like, oh man, that corduroy would not do well. Yeah, you got to be careful on public transit for sure. You should just wear your blue suede uh, blue suede shoes when you go public transit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, Colin, I've 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 been thinking about moving those at SneakerCon, but I, I almost want to keep them just to piss you off. <laughs> well, it doesn't piss me off. It just makes you not look great. I mean, no, I'm I know you can look I'm, so much better in other things. Right? I'm I, like I just want to wear them just for that reason. Like I just want to prove you that I'm wrong. That they're they're a dope shoe. Bill's blue, blue suede shoes. There you go. Bill's See, Bill's blue. blue. Right? No, blue. it's not blue. This is not blue suede. Okay. Yeah, just to put some context to Will, Colin doesn't like blue suede shoes. He He's just said he just he said it's not a good look. So we kind of go back and forth on that. But or yeah. Crocs or Crocs, and we're also a big supporter of the Crocs movement on this podcast as well. We we love definitely. our Crocs. definitely mm. all day. I, sorry, let's I don't, rephrase I don't that. Rich, Rich and I love yeah. Crocs on this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, you got to rephrase that, Trev. Kevin's yeah. like, oh, don't, don't yeah. love me in that. <laughs> you can wear what you want, but I wouldn't rock them personally. That's you know, I, I fuck with the Crocs, bro. I, I, I was honestly Crocs thinking heavy. about just just carrying my pairs to SneakerCon with me and wearing. My I'm Crocs actually wear, I'm actually wearing my there to like before I put on my sneakers. So just to put it out there, those will be on deck for sure. <laughs> All right, so. if Rich can do it, I can do it then too. So <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, I bought I bought Crocs like when Crocs started like becoming a thing and. uh we had because we had some sneaker con gibbets when we did a show in uh, December of 2020. We actually did a show in Shanghai once they like opened things up. China was actually first to open things up, I guess. You know, they were the first with the epidemic, so they were the first to open up. And mm-hmm. uh, we had some gibbets we did with Crocs, so they sent some over. And I'm like, I don't even own a pair of Crocs, <laughs> so I go and I buy a pair of Crocs. I have never worn them. I wore them like one time with the gibbets when I was on vacation. <laughs> And I never wore them again. I just, I can't find a purpose. Like, I wear foam <laughs> runners. I wear easy slides. Like, I just can't really, I, yeah. can't, I can't really find them in my rotation, honestly. Yeah, like, they just yeah. lie. They're just laying there. Yeah, and Rich, don't you have easy <laughs> slides? So, like, what's the excuse? Being neglected. Oh, those are gone. Nah, man, those came in and went out. <laughs> Crocs, man. The slides in the foam runners, definitely, like, it's a good look. But I, I feel like the Crocs, they have a place in there, man. Like, two. Like, if you can wear those... I don't see why people can't really rock the Crocs, in my opinion. So, you know, you got sport mode and you got the regular mode. You know, you put the back for, for, so, for me, it's like, you might know, as well I, uh, buy a Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, I, I look at Crocs like a Converse All-Star. 
I don't wear them. Mm. They are the OG. They are the OG in the sneaker game, but you will not catch me with a pair. And <laughs> I look at Crocs the same. I just feel like, you know, Yeezy has innovated the clog and other brands have done it too. I like the Salehi Crocs. Mm -hmm. I still don't those want are... a pair. I want a pair yeah. of those. That's um, what I'm looking you know, for. I just feel like there's like innovative new designs and Crocs. Crocs is just not it. It's like a Converse superstar to me. <laughs> that's a that's a good comparison actually i like that because you know like i wore chucks back in the day like back back in the day when i was a kid and then i you know i see people wearing them now and definitely like you know iconic sneaker but uh, i i probably would never wear those ever again you know now in my rotation and same thing with crocs too so to each their own I, everyone talks about the comfort you know i, I just can't do it personally i'm like i'm like will and and Kali, i guess Call me a simpleton, man. I guess I'm a simpleton. <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> I don't worry, like Rich. Them. We're gonna we're gonna get a picture at SneakerCon in our Crocs, and we'll put them in. We'll do one without in regular mode and one in sport mode. <laughs> Sports mode, definitely. Nah, <laughs> I, I think up. if I if I hit on a pair, another because I told myself I'm not gonna buy another pair of form runners. I have three colorways. I think I'm good. But yeah. if I hit on a pair for retail, I'm gonna gift them to Rich. Oh, uh, so he can throw away his Crocs. So he can throw away his Crocs. All right. And, uh, I'll you know, take step you up, up on his, that. Step up his game. Okay. <laughs> Got to elevate me, I see, right? <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. I like that. I like that. I like you. Got you. Dope. Nice. Good week, Collie. Will, what about you? What have you been rocking this week? And uh, any pickups recently um, you want to talk about? So I would say, like, my week started at uh, SneakerCon in, in Utah uh, on Saturday. For that, I started off wearing, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the Keto Wears Jag Runners. It's like this foam mm -hmm. runner looking, croc looking shoe that looks like Oh a yeah, no, it has feet. like the dinosaur at the front. I showed you guys. Oh, I was yeah, thinking yeah, of yeah. pre-ordering oh, it, but I didn't pull the plug. Yeah, so they were in our DC event a few weeks back and they gifted me a pair and I was like, you know, let me give them a plug and rock them. They were cool. You know, I think they were probably the most comments and questions I ever got at a sneaker con. For what I had on my feet, I think people in Utah had never seen them in person. And, you know, it just really was cracking next. And then around halfway through the show, I threw on my Fear of God ones in the OG colorway. Oh, I recently picked those up at uh, Washington, D.C. It was one of my grails that I had never owned. And they just got too crazy in the price, the resale price. So I was mm -hmm. able to buy two or three times used pair for like 500 U.S. And, you know, that was a steal to me. So I, I picked those up. And I rocked them in Utah. So that was like my first day. Sunday, we were on our way back from Utah. I rocked some New Balance 990 V3s. You know, the one with the air bubble in the back. Yep, uh, in like a red and blue colorway. It came out recently. It's like red suede with like navy on it. So like a sail midsole. I really like that pair. It's honestly one of the most comfortable pairs I own. Then Monday was Labor Day. So I was on a boat. So I actually threw on <laughs> my foam runners uh, in the desert sand colorway. Um, and then Tuesday, I was in the office. I threw on kind of obscure pair nowadays, but it was a Kobe 9 EXT in the black and gum colorway. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's one of my favorite, like, lifestyle pairs that they were dropping back then. It's got, like, the perforated snakeskin. It's, like, yeah. all leather. A little really, bit of higher cut, of my, too, right? No, it's, like, a mid. It's, like, a weird mid. Yes, mid. mid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember. Um, So that pair to me is, you know, the pair I always throw on. It's one of my beaters, but... I rarely wear it anymore, and I threw that on. Yesterday, I had uh, Nigel Sylvester's. It's like in my weekly rotation. I actually got them signed by him. He oh, came dope. out to our event in L.A., 
and uh, I got them signed, but I still wear them. It's like, you know, the, the shoe came worn pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All beat up. So I had them sign them and then I put them back on feet. And it was a, a pretty dope moment for me because I'm from Queens, I'm from Brooklyn and Queens, but I lived in Queens. Um, so that was dope. And then t- today I had my Kobe one preludes. I saw them in the case and I was like, man, <laughs> let me th- throw these on. Let me throw these on today. So, yeah, that was my that's been my weekly rotation so far dope nice. dope and then i guess one of your pickups was the the fear of gods right so yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah i uh, agree great great wears that kobe one prelude Ugh. yeah yeah that pair is, we'll get we'll get to those is... in one of the one of the later questions okay <laughs> yeah looks like we got looks one like the homie uh, Juan jumped on Sorry, I just uh, landed from West Coast. Now I'm back in the East. Ah, well, good, man. Welcome. Welcome back. Just in time. Just, just in, time in time to tell for... us about your... Yeah, just in time to tell us about your wares and pickups. Pickups, not really many, but wares, pretty decent. Everyone's unpopular or popular sneaker, the Panda Dunks, because I could wear those with anything. And <laughs> I usually work when I have... I don't know what I'm going to wear. For work, I'll wear those. I also wore the Ray Guns for some reason. I wore the Royal Lows, the ones that Trevor hooked me up with a long time ago, ages, and Black Cement 3s. That's my wares. Nice. Keeping it simple. Very simple. Thank the Lord there's no, Adi- no Adidas in there, Juan. Thank the Lord. <laughs> those Ray Guns, though. Those Ray Guns, though. Oof. I'm liking those. Throw a little bit of fire in there. All right. So for me, no wares. Oh, sorry. No wares this week. I, of course, I have wares this week. Uh, no pickups this week for me. Pretty straightforward week for me. I wore my Air Max 90, the black infrared pair with a Safari print on it. I don't know what the technical name is for those, but they were a GR pair that released that I really like. I wore my all red Roche runs over the weekend. So oh, shit. Like, oh, Roche's making a... Damn. Taking them back. back. <laughs> I love Roche runs, man. Like I, I like, was actually looking at a pair of Roche runs in my collection today, and I was like, you know what? I might bring back the Roche run. No. I've been saying that for you. Bring back the Roche run in the foams. Uh-huh. Foams, yeah. Yeah. Well, foams look like they're going to be back next The real year. foams. The real foams. Yes. Not the yeah. runs. The that real foams. Yes. Exactly. The foam yes. posits. Foam posits. Foam posits. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I, I love those pairs. And, Will, the, the pairs you were looking at, do you have, like, some of the original pairs with that, like, really nice foam insole? Like, the... Um, yeah, the memory phone. So I have the I have the maroon one that's like that. Yeah, it's like a maroon and and white one. But the pair I was looking at was one of the obscure later drops. It's like it's like an olive color, and then it, in the middle mid panel, it kind of has like this like I don't know if it's like a tree all over print kind of tree. Like I don't know. I don't even know. I bought it at the outlets one day, and I barely <laughs> worn it. I'm waiting till I just like throw it out and just crack some necks. Like yeah, people be like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. They were such a good, like, good shoe. Like, they were just, I don't know. It, the Yeezy kind of destroyed it, I think. That's a whole nother. We could go into a whole episode about what happened with the Roche run. Yeah. The, the rise and fall of it. But, yeah, I love that shoe. Like, I just, I think it's a great shoe for what it is. I know when I worked at Foot Locker years ago, you used to see people come in and absolutely destroy those shoes. Because, you know, they'd give it to, your kids would buy them and they would put holes through the toe box, right? Just because it's, yeah. They're not meant to play soccer outside and recess and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I thought it was just for what it was for a hundred dollar, like comfortable walking shoe to just kind of hang around in. It was a great shoe. Definitely. 
Uh, I went into the office yesterday, so I wore some, it's a completely black upper with like some snake skin on it, almost like a snake pattern on like the toe box and on a couple of parts of the shoe and a sail midsole. It's just kind of like a clean like shoe that I wear if I'm going into the office. It's just, it's all black. It's what generally... model is it? It's an Air Max 1. Sorry, did I not say oh, that? Okay. It, was a, it was an Air Max no, 1, yeah. yeah. Got it, got it. Oh, it's a clean pair that I wear. I think I've posted on my Instagram a couple of times. It's nothing special. Same thing as an outlet pickup. So, but just one that I, I go back to quite frequently. Air Max 90 infrareds and Crocs as always. Because, you know, can't go a week without wearing my Crocs. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I will say I don't really go anywhere in my Crocs. It's usually just like I'll take the garbage out or, you know, like I've got to run outside to my car and get something or my car's on the street. I got to move it. That's more how I wear my Crocs. It's but... all right. You're ashamed. You're ashamed of your Crocs. You, you hide your rela- <laughs> you're hiding. You're hiding your oh. relationship. Oh, you're hiding your relationship. With it's your deep Crocs. down. <laughs> yeah. Subconsciously a Freudian theory. <laughs> so at least I go get at least I go get gas in mine, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've seen it, though. I think the, the most I've done is I've taken him to a driving range where I've gotten out of the car and changed into golf shoes. Uh, Trev is ashamed. Yeah. Trev is ashamed. Guys, it's okay. Yeah. I'm going to wear them to SneakerCon. We're going to take a picture oh, so no. there's proof of it, too. It's, <laughs> it's like a sneaker equivalent to a side chick, basically. Right? doesn't want to be seen in public. So. <laughs> this guy. Oh, Lord. The sidekick. The sidekick. The sidekick. Yeah, side <laughs> side I like that one. I like that. That's good. And that might be the title. That might be the title. I was thinking that too. Uh, oh, man. All right, Rich. Let's cap it off. For wares, I wore Black Cement 3s. Obviously, the Crocs. The Crocs at the door. Similar to one, Panda Dunks. Panda Dunk is at the door, so I wear that shit quite often. I don't know. I just, I just love running that shoe into the ground. You know, that's what it's there for. Like I said, a quality shit. So I'm just going to literally destroy them. I wore the Union 4s, that guava pair. And then my pickups, I think that was it for wears. I was I was away, actually. Uh, me and the family were away for a few days uh, last week. So I ended up bringing my uh, Air Max uh, 90, the Duck Camels. And I brought my White Cement 4s. And, yo, I wore the Duck Camels for the whole fucking trip. I don't even know why I bought the White Cements. <laughs> like, I felt like stunting a little bit. But it's like, honestly, the Air Maxes were just so comfortable. We were doing so much walking. That it just didn't make sense to even put on the floor. So the duck camels love that pair, super clean pair. So that shit got a lot of burn for the time that we we're out there. And then for my pickup, which was one of my words as well, salute to the homie Aaron. I ended up grabbing. Uh, uh, we did a little trade, so uh, this was part of it. And I got the Air Max, the one eighties, the Ultramarine, which is a super dope pair, clean pair. So I wore those as well. I and mean, that's yeah, pretty much it for. Actually, I got more pickups, but we'll we'll save that for another time. But that was my week. <laughs> Dope, dope. I love those 180s too, man. I, you yo, know, the 180s, bro. <laughs> yo, I love 180s. They tough. I never had a pair. Never had a pair. Always appreciated that colorway. Mm-hmm. So naturally, you know, Aaron. Aaron always got shit like that. Salute to the homie. He always got you, just stuff like that tucked you away. Scoop so. one of those back in the day when they all hit outlets. Nah, they hit the outlet. Oh, they man. Outlet. Yeah. Heavy. I Frankie. just, you know what it was? I just, I just didn't. Like, I, I don't know what it was, but it kind of grew on me in terms of like wearing it and it just, the opportunity came. So I was like, let me grab And I love that pair. That particular colorway. Does it count? Does it count as a Jordan? Because Jordan wore them. What kind of question is that? Well, <laughs> Jordan wore them. It's what, and there's pictures of him wearing Jordan them. Jordan wore right? Harachis. So that means yeah, just... Harachis are Jordan. Like, I don't know. Well, well, yeah, the flight ones. You know, how like, much? Those are how just... much did we smoke today, Colin? How much yeah. did we smoke today? <laughs> like, two grams, maybe. I don't know. 
<laughs> what did you smoke, Dennis? Should question. we ask? Should we ask? No, no, I'm, I'm, no, you know, I'm just pulling your leg, man. I'm pulling your leg. I no, they're not Jordans, all good. man. Jordan wore a lot of shit that weren't Jordans, man. They're not considered Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I have a great week, fellas. Yeah, dope, dope. So yeah, so Trevor already mentioned we have a special guest today, Will, one of the founders of SneakerCon. So super happy to have him on. You know, just sort of like a, a preface to SneakerCon that's going to be in Toronto, and uh, we're all super excited. I know the city's buzzing right now. There's lots of, you know, just basically there's lots of hype about uh, SneakerCon coming back because, like Will said, you know, it hasn't been back since uh, 2019. A lot of and reactions then, from my my post today on IG. Everyone's excited. Exactly. Everyone's awesome. super excited. Awesome. So you know, it's it's an honor to have Will on because it's been so long since we have had a SneakerCon. I don't know if people remember. Those events previously, we were vendors all three times that SneakerCon was in Toronto previously. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, back in 2020, when you guys started going back to doing events, Toronto was still in lockdown. So it probably was, sorry, not 2020, last year, 2021, we were still in lockdown. So there probably wasn't even an option like Raptors games were getting canceled and all that stuff. So I'm sure like logistics wise, it was a nightmare. Just trying to pick cities, you know, finding out you know what the protocols are for that sort of thing. So it's it's nice to have Will on because, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of that stuff too in terms of logistics. But welcome, Will. We appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, we'll get right into it. So we Thank usually, uh, yeah, we usually start off with, uh, you know, just to get a little bit of history on, you know, your sneaker journey. So tell us a little bit where your sneaker journey began. So what are some of your favorite brands, models and colorways that got you into sneakers? For sure, nah. Um, well, it started in New York. You know, many would call it the Mecca. It wasn't even a thing. Like, it wasn't sneaker culture. It wasn't, you know, hype. It, it was no reselling, really. It was back then, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And it was really just basketball and the love of the game. And a big part of what brought me into shoes was jealousy. <laughs> and it's funny to, to say that outright, you know, but my older cousins man like they all had jobs i was a young kid you know 11 years old when i when i really started noticing right like i always had you know some reebok classics whatever my mom would buy me air force ones or whatever but i i didn't start noticing you know griffies and jordans and pennies and you know phone pauses and all this stuff until probably 11 years old we're talking about like 98 you know 97 98 my brother actually in 97 bought the playoff 12s and my brother is not a sneakerhead. He never was. He bought that shoe. That was his first and his last pair of Air Jordans ever, but it literally like shattered my world because like now I had one in my home and I was like looking at it, smelling it. I was already a size bigger than him at that age. And I was still like sneak on, sneak them on and go to the store and like, that's really what kicked it off for me and in, in, at least like in my home, but all my cousins already like had Jordans and, you know, I was always gawking at their shoes and like, I didn't have, obviously I was 11 years old. I didn't have a job. So, and my mom was super strict. Like, you know, she was like, until you could work for it, you know, I'm not buying you any of this stuff, the video games, the sneakers, whatever, whatever it was like, she, you know, she was all about what you need and not what you want. So I was really disciplined from that standpoint, but that's why I say jealousy because I was jealous of the kids in school that had them, or, you know, early. I was jealous of my older cousins, and that hunger, that jealousy, really drove like a desire to want the shoes that badly, more than they even wanted or appreciated them, right? And then obviously on the basketball court, 
always wanting to have a fresh pair to ball in and being keen to like, you know, reading the East Bay magazines and, and wanting to know, like have the performance models. Right. So I was super big on like the, the Nike alpha series in like the early two thousands, which okay. included the Prestos, but it also included the, the flight posits, the hyper flights, right? Like all these classic basketball models. Mm-hmm. And at that time still, like I, you know, I, maybe I had one pair to ball in for the whole school year. But I was like going to like Foot Locker and the mom and pop shops and window shopping and like just like knowing all the models from back then and all the colorways and like just going to the stores and down the street and just really trying to know all the models and remember, you know, every shoe and, and know them. So when I saw kids in school wearing them, I was able to, you know, talk the lingo, even though I didn't have those shoes on. <laughs> sure, yeah. So that's really where it started from. It was like the inability to own it, which a lot of people relate to. And also just the desire, the, the real, like, a grudging desire to, to like, want to outdo, you know, my my older cousins and, you know, get into it. And then the, my first pair was the year after my brother bought the Playoff 12s. My dad, you know, made the mistake of asking me, like, hey, what do you want for your birthday? And my birthday was April 30th and April 29th of, I believe, 99 was when the Flint 13s, OGs, dropped. And they were still sitting in the mom-and-pop shelf in my size. I was already like a size 11 and a half, um, even (laughs) at like 12 years old. And um, (laughs) yeah, it's crazy. Like, I I had a growth spurt early. But yeah, he got them for me. And and man, like, that was my first pair of Jays. It's still one of my, like, grails. They dropped them so many times I had to stop buying them. And I also, like, (laughs) didn't appreciate the 2010 quality. I mm-hmm. bought the, I had the OG, I bought them in 04, and then the 2010 quality just really wasn't it for me, so I didn't pick them up. And they didn't have no 3M on them, on that 2010 yeah, pair, too. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, just it made was, it worse. It was a sad, it was a sad retro of that pair, and the recent one, I, I copped, because that one I, I like. But yeah, so, you know, that's really where it all started, and, and just New York balling, man, like, you know, hoop dreaming, that also, like, just got me into the Nike bas- the basketball side. Which, you know, later on, once I was already working with SneakerCon and once I was reselling in the 2011-2012 era of, you know, Nike basketball at its pinnacle, you know, that was that was a really just meaningful time for me as a collector, as a reseller, and because it brought back all that nostalgia from growing up as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like you were heavily influenced by Nike and Jordan. And, you know, in that era, too, there was, like you said, such a huge influence in basketball, just the Nike basketball era. Everyone was rocking ball sneakers. So you would go to your local playgrounds and, and, and basketball courts and people would just be just fresh kicks, balling in fresh kicks. You know what I mean? It wasn't even about... They were balling in foam posits, flight yeah. posits. These shoes were $180 when when Jordans were 130 You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And kids were balling in them. So it really wasn't like about the hype, about social media. It was like, you know, you had to be fly on the court and then have That's your right. game back it up. So it's a different... That was a different time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know what's crazy? Because like, yeah, like you said, in New York that desire to just want to one up the next the next guy too like that's what it was all about too just looking fresher than the next guy too like someone would come in with a new pair of like whatever it was but then if you came in with the next new pair it was almost like a competition right to see who is flyer absolutely absolutely that shit was man <laughs> that's that's what, that's what it always <laughs> about it was always like that i grew up in jersey i'm in canada now but oh, from jersey originally i was also um in new york as well so 
I could definitely understand. Like that's just that's just what we did. Like, dude came to school with this. I'm coming back the next day with something, something else, <laughs> you know. So yeah. we we stayed having to one up, and and like you said, it was crazy looking back. That yeah, dudes is balling in those fight posits. Dudes is balling Jordan. in AJ's. You know what I mean? So, like, so yeah. it was just like yeah, in the, in the Jays. Right now it's just I'll tell like, you, <laughs> so different. I'll tell you right now, those Flint Thirteens got cooked to the point where they had a hole. There was no outsole left. <laughs> they had a hole in them, and I was still balling in them. Man, it, it, that's just what it was back then. And exactly, but, that's and that's you know that's a good point because you know when you when that was your first pair of sneakers, you wore them for everything. Like you were so proud of them, you were just you just wanted to rock them with you know everything, whether it was casually to play basketball. It's not surprising that they got cooked because you know I know all of my like original pairs of sneakers that I got that I you know that I begged for. I just wore them to the ground, and that's what it was about. There was, there was no such thing as a rotation. We exactly, you I mean, couldn't afford it. Like, yeah. exactly, that's right. Holes. Every pair I had, had holes. Holes for days. So you talked about yeah. uh, about New York and grew up in New York, and and specifically, like you're in Queens right now, right? And you grew up in the Bronx, did you say? Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn and Queens. Right. You know, Brooklyn my mom right. lived in Queens. My dad lived in Brooklyn. Very close to each other. It was right across the border, but. Yeah, I mean, I grew up all over Brooklyn, uh, hanging out all over Brooklyn and Queens. Now I live in Long Island, very close to Queens, but, you know, I'm still very close to home. Right. So what was it like then, you know, the culture then, like Brooklyn, like you said, you know, New York was like the mecca of, you know, a lot of things, uh, not just sneakers, but mainly sneakers as well. So what was it like when you were growing up, like back in 99, when you started, you know, noticing kicks and you had your first pair of sneakers, like what was the scene like in terms of sneakers? I mean, it was it was crazy to call it niche because like so many kids were aware too. it was like it is now, you know, like, you know, you go to your kids. You know, if you guys have kids in elementary school or whatever, I got nephews and nieces and there's still like four or five true sneakerheads in like their class, you know, which is still pretty small. It's not like every kid has heat on their feet. Right. But back then, you know, if you went to like some remote places like that we do events at now, like in Cleveland or Salt Lake City, there was no one in an elementary school class wearing heat or maybe right. one kid. Right. Like. So in New York, it was always like a group of kids. It was always normal, like Rich was saying. Like for us, it was part of New York culture. It wasn't even sneaker culture back then. Mm -hmm. It was right. just like, you know, you go to Foot Locker, you read through East Bay, you pick the best balling kicks you can afford. You pick If you can get the Jays, you know, you get the Jays. That's what you went for. And even if you went for the cheaper stuff, like a pair of white Air Force Ones, that was still fresh. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that was the norm. I mean, I had a fresh pair of white ups every school semester because it was, you know, $60, $70 shoe. Thanks. And my mom wouldn't, wouldn't really feel bad about, you know, buying me. So white uptowns were like the norm. And then if for my birthday or Christmas, I scraped up enough funds to buy a pair of J's or, you know, a pair that I wanted, like, you know, in 2000 or 99, when the Vince Carter shocks came out, mm. I, like I really wanted that black and silver and Royal pair. And it was $150 and, I saved up enough and I got it, right? So it was like, you know, it, it was just always part of the, the New York or at least the metro, you know, New York area culture of like knowing, you know, what basketball players wore what and, you know, what you should be rocking on your feet, whether you could or you couldn't. So it was just different. You know, there was no social media. There was no marketplaces online. 
you know, there was barely eBay until, you know, 98, 99, when it was really like being used for that purpose. But, you know, you had to be tapped in with this, with your local mom and pop shops. You had to be cool with the managers and have them show you like that printed catalog that they would get, you know, with just like a pit, a photo, like an eBay style photo of the shoe and like a date. Right. And you're like, what color is that shoe? Even like you couldn't (laughs) tell from the printout, but you could tell it was a Jordan four. And you're like, fuck it's 99 they're retroing jordan fours you know that's what you were doing as a Mm -hmm. sneakerhead you were trying to get the manager to show you that printout you know so you could see what was coming and when but it was hard like you had to have the in with somebody like i like to tell people like back then that's when they were true influencers like my older cousins those were influencers because they truly truly put me on to game like they knew the managers they were like, hey, this pair is dropping. I'm going to cop it, you know, and that's how I knew to get my Flint 13s when I was 11, 12 years old. Those guys directly influenced me in my upbringing, right? Nowadays, you throw the word influencer around. It's like you're on social media showing photos and getting say, shoes snap a few for free. And it's, snap a few it's not the same, you know. It's not mm-hmm. before. All you had was that person. All you mm-hmm. had was that plug or that plug for the information. Not even like they were getting you shoes, but just a plug for the information. You needed that. If you didn't have that, you really couldn't even follow game. You know, maybe with the East Bay catalog, that's yeah, really right. the only the only thing. But it sounds to me like even back then, it was more about buy what you like and wear what you like, as opposed to buy what's hype and buy you know what everybody else is rocking. Right? You kind of almost wanted yeah. to be your own. You know, you want your own style. You want your own. You know, your own look. That type of thing. Right? Absolutely. That's super dope. So, I mean, you know, you had Flint 13s, you're heavily influenced by Nike and Jordans and your cousins and all that stuff, having sneakers, you know, ball players on the court. But let's hear about what your collection is now, because it sounds to me like you've built up a collection over the years. And, uh, you know, I'd like to hear about, you know, maybe some of your favorite pairs, some of your grails, if you got some grails, if you own some of your grails, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, You know, obviously the Flint 13 along with the Black Cement 3, is always going to be, like, my grail in terms of my favorite, like, retro Jordans. But in terms of my collection, like, I've been fortunate enough to be doing sneaker con events for 13 years, traveling the world, seeing all these people's collections and getting to know a lot of plugs, right, guys who resell and and get shoes. And I've had access, you know. I haven't always had the money to get everything I want. That's why I'm still going back and copping a pair, like the Fear of God one that just came out a few years ago, but about, even a few years ago, I didn't have the money to buy a Fear of God one. So I'm still circling back on some of those grails, but I would say one of the biggest grails has to be the Fragment one, the first one. When that shoe came out, 2013, I believe, 14. It's a blur uh, back <laughs> that time. Well, but it came around like right after Christmas. It was a super limited like Nike Lab release. They were extremely, extremely limited. And right away, they were like, you know, eight, nine hundred bucks, which back then was like crazy, right? Oh, like, that was astronomical. That was, yeah. You know, especially for a Jordan one. That was like and you're talking in US hell? dollars too. You're talking US, US dollars, yeah. yeah. US USD. So, you know, we were doing sneaker con and I had an OG, you know, one of the OG YouTubers of all time in sneakers is Dallas Penn. I don't know if you guys are aware of Dallas yeah. Penn. He's from New York area, OG. He got one seated to him by Nike and mm. he didn't like it. He didn't want it. And he was like, yeah, I don't really wear ones like that. I'm too big. 
And I was like, well, you're out of your mind. Like, I need that <laughs> pair. Like, that that pair is, is ridiculous. Like, I was all over it. So I ended up trading him three pairs for the one. And I always talk about this trade because at that moment, it was a pretty even trade. Okay. Then it looked like I won. Like, years later, people are like, oh, you got him. Like, you really got him. And then you guys will see why. But recently, it's kind of back not equal the frag one is still winning that trade but it evened out so i traded him a pair of black infrared sixes from 2014 which at the time were going for like 375 so i didn't you know it wasn't that bad i also traded him the kobe prelude eight the reflection pair with like the mirror tongue yes that pair and then also the kobe eight shedding skin Christmas edition, which had like the molded like, spikes on the toe. Yeah, yeah, I remember you know what I'm talking about. I sold so those like, too. I got all those pairs for retail, so I paid about five hundred and forty dollars for my frag ones. If you think about it like that, right. like I paid retail for those three pairs. I traded him, but the resale value at the time I traded him was like nine hundred and fifty bucks for those three mm-hmm. pairs. Right. So he was super happy because those are three pairs he could flip and cash out nine fifty for his frags. Yeah. So it was like a really even fair trade. We were both happy. And then obviously, you know, go three years, four years later and Nike basketball takes a huge tumble. Nobody's buying LeBron's or KD's, you know, Kobe's are probably the ones that people appreciated the most out of that set, but it wasn't the same, right? Like they weren't reselling for what they were once. So then you looked at the trade and people are like, what? You got them. Frags are going for like two grand. Yeah, and those pairs, you know, you can't even flip them now. But then 2020, you know, rest in peace, the late great Kobe. Mm-hmm. But then he passes away and all the Kobe's just skyrocket. Right. And then people are calling me like, yo, remember that trade you did? Like, yeah. yo, those pairs are crazy now. And I'm like, you know, it sucks. Like, you know, Kobe passed. I was super sad about it. But it was just funny, like how the market yeah. fluctuates right. and a trade like that could seem one moment even, another moment bad, one-sided, and then yeah. boom, even out. And I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of trades like that and can talk about like dunks, you know, five years ago of course, that yeah. they might have traded and gave away or sold for the low and now they're up again. So the frag ones, like I have that story with it. It's not just a hype pair to me. Like the way I acquired it, who I acquired it from, what I traded for it and all of that is like a story to me. So I will never... I never sell that pair. I've worn it a lot. It's, it's like used up, still looks good, but man, that's definitely like the grail grail in my collection. And then there's other pairs like the Kobe Prelude ones, Love LeBron 11, the what the LeBron 11, I think is one of the greatest just shoes put together just in as a what the concept, the way they did the LeBron 11. I was looking at it the other day and I'm like, that pair is just amazing. Honestly, right. it like really captures that moment in Nike basketball. What else? All the Travis stuff that I have, the Travis, the first um, Travis Jordan ones, uh, the mochas, I got those. I hit on Nike app. I was oh, on wow. it for like half an hour. They were the, <laughs> the payment system crashed. Like you couldn't check out. And I'm literally there like on a Saturday morning. I, I don't wake up on Saturdays that early. And I'm on a Nike app from 10 a.m. like all the way to 1040 a.m., 40 minutes, just trying, trying, trying. And I'm like, you know what? I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to give up and this thing's going to start working. And, you know, if I just keep trying it at some point, it's going to work. And lo and behold, you know, it went through. And then all of a sudden, like it's waiting 
and then it says got him and i'm like wow. oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so you know for me like the fact that i didn't pay resale for that pair is special to me and i'll always consider that a grail as well and then to throw things off a little bit new balance is obviously super hot right now but i was on new balance like the first time it got hot in like 2013 with all the like Kith, Ronnie Fi concepts. Yeah, yeah. So I have a pair of, they're called the Finger Crocs New Balance 580s. The 580 is one of my favorite New Balance models. And the Finger Crocs, Finger Crocs is a store and it's like a chain of retail stores in Hong Kong. And they got their own special colorway and it was only available out there. I mean, I actually got it on a trip to Spain when I was buying Bread 11s and Lightning 4s in 2012. The the owner of the, the store, 24 Kilates, he's like a big New Balance guy in Europe, and he had a pair, and I picked that pair up, and I still have it, and I, it was like a beater, but recently, I bought a pair on, on eBay, brand new, for like 250 That pair used to go for like six 700 You couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is in terms of a new balance, just to throw things off a little, that's one of my grails yeah. as well. Well, those five, I, I love that 580 model. Like, you know, you guys would be familiar too, like the Capsule New Balance pair. You know, Capsule is yeah. one of the uh, boutiques here in, in Toronto. And, you know, that's one of my all time favorite pairs. And I love that model too. I love that they use that model. But yeah, it's such a great, like, it's such a great looking sneaker. And for a lot of people, not many people have New Balances in their list of grails, but, you know, it sounds to me like a lot of your pairs have, you know, a story behind it, some sentimental value to it, right? Or just how you acquired it sometimes is, you know, part of the reason why, what makes grails, right? Yeah. But uh, you travel a lot and you, you're in sneaker cons and you see a lot of stuff. So there must be something that's still on your, your list of things that you were doing. Oh, no. For. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I mean, so, so I have one really big regret. And I actually think it was a reseller from, he's either from Toronto or Montreal. I can't think of his name right now. I meet so many, you know, vendors and people at events. I'm really bad with names, but like when I see somebody that I remember and I have a relationship with, like I, like I, I mess, if I mess with you, I mess with you, but I might not know your name. So I can't think of his name right now, but these guys had a pair of uh, lobster dunks in my size, size 12. I want to say like in 2018 or like 800. Which Brand color new. the lobster? The red lobster. The red? The red? Okay, the red okay. Yeah, for 800 And it was like a little bit sun-faded, you know, like with age, you know, they that happens to those pairs. Like you take out the rubber band and you see like the different color from like it just being on for all those years. And it was one of those moments where I was like, yo, I, I honestly have never paid resale for a shoe, especially not that high. Like I would say at that time, the highest I paid for resale was like, when I paid three fifty for shattered backboard ones, the original ones, like when they yeah. came out, I I didn't get them for retail, and I bought them in SneakerCon LA that same day for like three twenty five or something like that. So that was the most I ever paid resale, aside from my Fragment One trade, which was like mm-hmm. five hundred forty bucks. But I was like, man, I, I just I can't. Like my wife would probably leave me if I come home <laughs> saying I bought a pair of shoes for eight hundred dollars. So I told the seller, I was like, you know what? It's a good price. It's my size. Like, I really want it. But you know what? Try to sell it. And if if you don't, like, by the end of the show, like, I'll come and make you an offer. And I was wanted to offer him, like, 7 or seven fifty. Well, I probably would have bought them anyways for 8 but I didn't buy them. And he ended up selling them. And that's one of my biggest regrets in terms of a grail that I could have picked up and didn't. And then a really obscure pair that 
I've been re- wanting for a long time. A similar story is the Kobe Aston Martin pack. So they dropped oh, in 2009, yes. they dropped uh-huh. the Hyper Dunk. They dropped yes. the, the Hyper Dunk and the Kobe 5. And that the one he jumps Martin, over like, the charcoal, car in the commercial? And he jumps, yeah. Yeah, he jumps over the Aston Martin. That shoe, we were reselling at the time, so we did see them come through the shop. But I couldn't afford it. They wanted like 800 for the pack at that time. And years later, I think in like 2017, I found a reseller at the event. And they had one and they wanted 700 for the pack. Ah, man. Same thing. I'm like, I never spent this much on a pair of shoes. I can't, you know, justify this expense. But I told them the same thing. I said, hey, I'll come back around later. If you haven't sold it, I'll make you an offer. Sold it. And Again, that's one of my grails that I still want. I still like salivate over anytime I think <laughs> about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, just I, I could go on for a long time the list, but those are two that, off the top of my head, just I still like. I have bad, I have nightmares yeah. over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, w- yeah. Will, Will, our our motto is cop now, think later. Yeah. Cop now, think later. <laughs> think about all the other shit after you get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the, 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 the divorce thing is probably one of the things that uh you know it's, it's i mean at least head. if you got the pack it's, it's more than one shoe like you use that excuse like it's yeah yeah just don't sit it's tough to justify yeah. though like when prices get up there but then you look back and you're like, man, like to even find an Aston Martin pack in your size is just, like super just let rare. let it go. I spent and two grand like, for Moon Rocks, okay? Yeah, but I think oh, the Aston man. Martin pack is in like, you know, the, the you know, yeah. in the thousands now. Like It's you know, up there now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, like, it's like 10,000 now. It. That's like yeah. if you find it. I knew I had a deal in my hands, even though it was the most I had paid for a shoe at that, or I would have paid for a shoe at that time. I knew that that pack is a, 2000 easily like minimum and that was before kobe passing like i just knew that that shoe that pack had a story to it that that was unlike any other it mm-hmm. released in house of hoops when there were only like one or two house of hoops stores in the world which right. was the harlem store and then i think the la store was the second one and each store got like 72 pairs like it's just an i think even more limited than that i don't even know but it's a super limited pack you can't find it especially not dead stock if anybody's listening and <laughs> has one size 12 or 13 at will never stops on IG, just, just DM me. I'm on the market for it. Yeah. I, I, I won't regret it this time. I promise. You might, you might, you might have some fragments up for trade. No, no, no. But listen, yeah, Will, I mean, you also told me that you have a newborn too, right? So congratulations yep. to you and the wife yep. and on the new son, right? You have a son. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a and, blessing. Uh, man. For sure. So, I'm curious to know, like, have you been building his collection? Like, I know he's, he's what, he's like nine months old right now? or He's, he's five months. Oh, five months, sorry. And I've, been, months. and I've been building his collection for eight years now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the first pair I bought for my unborn child was actually uh, in 2014 in, in SneakerCon Chicago. This one seller had a lot of vintage, like, toddler pairs. And I actually picked up a pair of soft bottom OG Flint 13s. Oh, there you go. That was my first pair. And that was also his first pair in his collection. So that's when I started. And then 
I believe it was 2016 when Adidas dropped the Turtle Doves and the Pirate Blacks as toddler yes. shoes. Yeah. And they really changed the game and started dropping heat like yes. for toddlers. And Yeezy really brought that to the forefront to the point where obviously Off-White, you know, started dropping some Nike toddler shoes and Travis as well. So I got I, I was able to hit on the Adidas confirmed that for both the Turtle Dove and the Pirate Black pair in toddler nice. sizes. So that started it. Like after the Turtle Dove and, and Pirate Blacks, he got the Air Max 90 Off-White Desert. Um, he got the neon air, air force one off white. Wow. He got recently a mama near threes, Travis air max ones. Nice. Uh, what else? I mean, there's his collection is deep, man. I'm it's, just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, he, he's upwards of like 40 pairs right now and they're all different sizes. So like I have a rotation for each I'm about size. to say smart, smart man, man. That's how you gotta yeah. do it. Man. Yeah. That's how you gotta I, do it. I was not, I was not going to have them have heat for like, one size and then now i gotta go find shoes for him so i just started buying everything like randomly like if i was signing up for the turtle doves i put 8c right and then if Mm -hmm. i was signing up for you know some some random lightning fours it was a 4c and i would just pick a random toddler size and i actually was throwing them into my storage like all this time before he was born and then recently we moved to the house and i have like now I have like my sneaker room and I'm able to organize things. And I put all his shoes along the wall. And it's funny that like I hit on certain sizes like more than others. So it's like, you know, size yeah. five, he's got like a tower and then size four. I need to pick up some more. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's like uh, a, like a graph. Remember the yeah. graphs we used to do yep. in school? Yep. A chart. Yeah. One of those uh, 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 graphs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar yeah. graphs. Bar graphs. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it looks like. There um, it is. There yeah, it he, is. He's got... He's got heat, man. I bought them. Uh, they actually dropped. If you know, like a few years back, they started dropping the a crib booty Jordan one with like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the rubber toe box. Yeah. Um, yeah. and they started dropping like they dropped oh. shattered backboard ones. So they dropped the shattered back. Yeah, yeah. There you go, shattered backboards. So they ended up dropping the fragment one colorway. I had to buy him two sizes because I was like, I want him to wear them when I wear my fragment ones. So. I don't, I don't see that one up there, but you, you got to cop that pair. The Fragment 1 colorway in the crib booty. I think you're missing that one, Kev. I, I don't have that one. You're right. I don't have that one. And I don't think I've ever seen that one. So look, Yeah, look it up. It's Look up like white, black, royal crib booty. You'll okay. see it. It's, it's the fragments. It just doesn't have yeah. the lightning bolt, but it's the Fragment 1. So I bought him two sizes. I was like, we got to match when I wear that pair. <laughs> Um, so he, I actually brought my son out to SneakerCon DC. It was his first SneakerCon at like four months old. And he rocked those, the Fragment Ones, Crib Booty. And then I also had him rock uh, Eggplant Foams. Oh, so I, had, I got him the, Yeah, I got him the Soft Bottom Eggplant Foams. And I rocked my Galaxy Foams that day. So it was nice. cool. It was cool to match. So awesome. he got to meet Dennis Rodman, too. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Rodman was out there. Yeah, that's ill. Yeah, yeah. That's so, dope. Man. Yeah, some awesome moments. Yeah, I like to I like to hear that because I mean you're right. Back when Yeezy dropped the turtle doves and the pirate blacks and toddler sizes, everything changed in terms of the toddlers. Like you were able to get a lot of stuff in toddler sizes back in the day, but you know, it wasn't like you know, people weren't like, you know, looking for toddler stuff really. You know what I mean? It was kind of there. No one really like you know, no one really bought stuff for their kids because they knew they would grow out of it. Now it's like it's almost like a market in its own now right like yep. every drop now comes in full family sizing so yep. you know the whole family can rock and 
you kind of almost have to pick and choose now because you can get everything in toddler size. So I don't know if there's a theme to what you, you buy your son. Like, you know, I know you I noticed I, you got a lot of. I, no, I was going to say, I honestly just try to hit and it's hard. Like, yeah, it's really it is hard. hard. Yeah, The toddler hard. ones are actually more, definitely more limited than the men's. And I try for all the heat, like anything that's exclusive or anything that's like a retro colorway that I used to wear or wanted back in the day, like I get. And it was, it's hard. Like they sell out, especially on mm -hmm. Nike sneakers app, the yeah. more exclusive ones. Like I tried for all the off-white ones that came in toddlers. I tried for all the Yeezys that come in toddlers and he only has a handful. I haven't been able to hit on a lot of Yeezy toddlers because I just think they, they only make a, such a limited run of those. Yeah. And if you remember before Adidas dropped the Turtle Doves and the Pirate Blacks, the ones that really, really kicked off the toddler game were the fake, they were making fake, I was going to say, yeah, when they the released off-white all ones, over. Mm -hmm. yeah, those fake off-white ones that they made in toddlers, like you had real sneakerheads buying those for the kids because Nike wasn't dropping them yeah. in toddlers. So it was like, oh, that's the only option I have. So I'm buying my kid fakes. And the and quality I was, always, was, I was pretty like, good no. on those. No, they were good. They, I think they were I, being made in the same factories. Honestly. I was living overseas in China at the time. and I do fake market videos on YouTube and yeah. you could see they look exact same the the yeah. adult ones for a while not really nah, but yeah, then they yeah. eventually but yeah yeah i know somebody gifted the the off-white chicago's to my son and he wore them like all, all the time and i didn't care you know what i mean like you're right they were fake everyone knew that they didn't come out in taller size but you're right like the quality was actually pretty good on them and somebody gave it to him gave it to him because they're like oh you're you know you like sneakers your son has a collection you know they don't know too much about it so they were just like oh you know they were able to buy these but yeah i mean like the toddler sneaker game has changed a lot and you know there's a lot of collectors out there now too you know we know a guy out here in toronto you probably have spoken to him he owns parlor 23 uh, Jaron, oh. and uh, he's got a crazy toddler collection. Like he buys the OG stuff, DS with boxes. Like he doesn't fuck around. And, wow. You know, he, you'll see it when when you're there. You know, his son's collection is just insane. And you know, as a new father, you know, it's just something that you know it, it'll, it'll blow your mind when you see that. But I just had to, I just had to ask because I love to hear you know new dads and you know what they're doing for for their son's collection. But I want to get into the sneaker con stuff because. You know, like I said, we're all excited. The city's like super amped up. But tell us a little bit about the history of SneakerCon because, you know, back when I started noticing events for sneakers, it was always SneakerCon was there. But because we were in Canada, SneakerCon always kind of popped up in New York City at the Javits Center. You'd see pictures of it on, you know, the blog sites and things like that. And I was yeah, always yeah. just like, man, you know, how come we don't have stuff like that in Canada? But, you know, just tell us about SneakerCon and where the idea of that event came from. Yeah, so, you know, at the time in 2009 when it started, it really came about in 2008. And then the first event was in March of 2009. And all the credit, you know, to Alan and Barris on our team, they were reselling in New York. They were big, big resellers out here. And Yuming Wu from Sneaker News, you know, they are the founders. I was essentially a founding member because I was there since the first event. But at the time, I was, I was still in college. I was going to Syracuse University. And I, I left Syracuse in 2011, but during the 2009-2010 the first events in New York and in D.C., I was taking a Greyhound bus down and working the events with them. So, you know, I was there from the founding of, of SneakerCon, but it's really kudos to those guys coming together. Allen and Barris were reselling, but in like 2006-2007, they did two or three events in New York and Soho called Sold Out. 
that was where they first tested the idea. And it was really small, like, you know, in a basement of like a retail shop, you know, super small niche thing that they tried to do. And they just got a lot of like just their friends and stuff to come through. And then, you know, when they met Yu Ming from Sneaker News, it was like the perfect marriage, right, of like media, sneakernews.com, Freshness Mag, also he ran and, and founded, and, you know, resellers. So we knew what, you know, resellers needed from a marketplace standpoint, and we knew vendors and we knew collectors, and we, we were able to bring the marketplace together. And, and the idea was really just to create a place where people could meet and buy and sell and trade sneakers and talk sneakers and come together to just share in that passion. And, you know, over the years, it's evolved. You know, people started coming and selling phone cases and keychains and stickers and posters. And, you know, now it's, you know, shoe cleaning products and T-shirt companies and, and brands and, and all this other stuff. Right now you have guys creating their own versions of shoes like, you know, the keto wears guys with the fossil runner and some guys like Warren Lotus making these dunks and, you know, all this stuff that's come up from the culture and inspired by what Nike and Adidas have been able to do. But it's really become more of an entrepreneurial platform over the years where youth culture can come and, and learn business and do business in a safe environment, stay off the streets and do something positive. I, li I honestly live vicariously through all the vendors and all the young kids trading sneakers at SneakerCon events all these years because I wish that when I was growing up in New York, I had something like that to, you know, do something positive. I don't want to get into what I was doing in New York back in the day, but, you know, I was staying out of trouble, but getting in trouble and, you know, it, it, I was just making it do what it do, you know, and I wish I had something, a platform like Senior Con, because who knows, you know, where I'd be if I would have been able to do business from such a young age and transact and, and, and be, you know, be an entrepreneur like that. So, yeah, the, the idea started really simple, just, hey, a place where vendors could bring their collections and people could come and access shoes that, you know, there weren't that many resale shops back then. It was mm -hmm. like Flight Club. You know, there wasn't even Stadium Goods or anything like that in New York. There was Flight Club and a couple other small sort of mom-and-pop resale shops right in downtown mm -hmm. Soho. But other than that, it was all retail shops. You know, you couldn't get the stuff that sold out. You had to go on eBay or, you know, meet somebody on Nike Talk or go on Soul Collector Marketplace. And that was really the only way to get shoes back then. Yeah. So we figured, like, there was this demand for product. The buyers, the collectors, the people that wanted shoes that had already sold out needed a place to access, right, for the sellers to all come together and you to access their collections and their inventory. And it was tough. Like, the first event, we had, like, 20 vendors and it was hard to convince guys from Brooklyn to bring their like 80 pairs yeah. to Manhattan, like right, to, to right. the borough, like like right in the inner city. Like it was hard to convince guys from Staten Island to come to the city, to, you know, that midtown Manhattan, you know, guys who were friends. And we knew that resold and they just they were like, why? Why would I do that? I have all my mm -hmm. stuff listed on eBay and. I'm not really trying to like, you know, sell it for less or give people deals. Like mm -hmm. I could hold this stuff forever. Right. Like they were the, the original reseller was at first a collector. Right. So they were in love with the product. It's more recently that you have resellers that just, you know, they just don't care. They'll, they'll hit on something and they'll sell it for 20 bucks on stock right. or, or whatever. It's not the same. Like even the resellers back then had a, a love for it. Like they really love these pairs. They, they stood in line. Right. For days right. sometimes right. to get a certain pair. 
And when they marked it up, it was like marking it up for what the, they invested in terms of time and, and resources to attain that pair. You know, right. that's what the resale value of a shoe was. It was like retail plus, you know, however many days I waited outside, yeah. uh, you know, skipped work, you know, yeah. lost money not going to work and potentially, you know, had to buy some food and out there on the street when I was waiting in line. Like, you know, just or yeah. if you didn't wait on the line and you just bought it off somebody who did wait in line and you bought it off of them for resale. Now that becomes the resale price because you can't sell it for less than that. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So it was just a different game. But SneakerCon, it really started as a place, a marketplace. And, you know, in 2000 and was it 2013? No, it's 2014, actually, where we launched Authenticity, the SneakerCon authenticated brand, legit tag. We were putting these gold dog tags on shoes and locking the tag. And we had mm-hmm. serial numbers on them and we kept the database. And that's what really started the sneaker con authentication, which we were really the first ones ever putting our name on a shoe and saying it was authentic. The marketplaces came after that. The marketplaces essentially tried to do what we were doing in a cheap way by putting a little plastic tag on a, you know, on a shoe and saying, hey, we, this passed through our hands, right? But when you went to a sneaker con event post 2014, like I was at the booth sometimes authenticating and putting a gold dog tag on it. And I have a funny story about that that I can tell later. But that's when we launched authenticity authentication because we wanted to help people not get scammed because mm-hmm. we realized like fakes are too good. They're getting too good and people are getting scammed at our shows and we need to put whatever stop we could to it. So we started providing that free service. Fast forward to 2020, eBay approaches us to launch their AG program. So we actually in 2020 launched that program for eBay and we're servicing them. And now they essentially run it the whole thing and even our legit tag that we launched in 2018 with the sneaker con app marketplace which mm-hmm. was the black tag that you could nfc tap and it told you like which shoe it was and where it, when it was authenticated and all that right. that's now the ebay you know tag and there's you know they've taken it to a whole nother level so the, the sneaker con story really goes beyond the events we've done a lot to really try and protect sneakerheads and grow the community while still protecting it from things like fakes and scamming and, and things like that. Everything we've done has really been for the culture and, and we've been blessed that it's been reciprocated in terms of our business and ability to continue doing business. Yeah, it's amazing to see, you know, just the evolution, like you said, you know, back in the day, like, you know, even here in Canada, like we never had big shows like that. It was smaller events that, you know, like, you know, little basements or clubs or whatever it was. And it was really the just the, the, the collectors. And like you said, like, you know, why would they want to bring their collection out? But it was all the real heads that knew about sneakers wanted to see them in person. And you never got to see that stuff. So for you guys to start off that way and then just build it up to what it is now, you still have guys that come out and they just display sneakers. Like there's some stuff that, you know, was not for sale. You know, just, you know, they just want to be able to show it because they know that there's other people out there that appreciate it, but they don't have the platform to do so. So it's great to be able to, you know, have an event like SneakerCon with its size to for people to buy, sell, trade as well, but then also to, you know, share in the passion and love for sneakers because it all did start in those little small venues too and used to have people with that same passion, right? Which is yeah, dope. Yeah. But, uh, you know, how do you guys differentiate yourselves from all these other big sneaker events? Because there's sneaker events, like I said, that are popping up all over the place now. And I always associate SneakerCon as one of those OG sneaker events. So how is SneakerCon different from all the other ones? Or how do you guys try to make it special for all of your attendees that go? 
Yeah, I mean, it's several things. I always like to say that anytime I get a similar type of question, is that there's only one sneaker con, and then there mm-hmm. are sneaker events. Right. And, okay. you know, sneaker events could range from, you know, 20 vendors in a meeting room of a hotel to, you know, 100 vendors in a different convention center. But at the end of the day, it's a sneaker event. I feel like we can only go into town once a year in most cities, and we actually welcome you know, those guys doing shows when we're not in town because it keeps the culture vibrant. It keeps those same people coming together, trading shoes, their collections evolving, right? If you sell 60% of your inventory at a sneaker event and buy 40% more, now you go back to your shop or back to your website, reload it up. Your store looks different on that Monday, right? Mm-hmm. And you keep changing and growing your collection and your inventory. And by the time we come back the next year, each of those sellers is bigger has a bigger business, has more inventory, and it only makes our event better the next year we come into town. So we love when there's like small shows going on in different places. We really don't look at it as competition. And But for us, like, we're never content. We're never like, we're the biggest and we keep doing everything the same. Like, we're always trying to outdo ourselves right. so that if anybody even reaches the level of a sneaker con event in 2015, like we're already 10 years ahead. Like we're, mm-hmm. we got Dennis Rodman in the building. You know, we had Penny Hardaway in the past, Ray Allen now in Hong Kong. Like we're always trying to outdo ourselves and bring a different aspect, a different experience. So even if you went to like a senior con last weekend and there's one this weekend, like you just don't know what you're going to get. Like <laughs> right. we're going to pop out with something that you, you're going to miss out on. And we really wanted people to like essentially collect them all, right? Like Pokemon, like we want you to come to every sneaker con if you know if you have to travel like it's like holding season tickets right you might not catch the home run or the poster dunk on that one game but you got to be a season ticket holder and go to all the home games so you could capture all the, the highlight moments right the pinnacle moments of your favorite players careers you're not going to get that unless you're at every game so we look at ourselves the same it's like we got to keep elevating our game we got to keep yeah. bringing new things on new brands into the building like last year when we brought ebay on and you know now they handle all the authentication at our events and monster energy and and now in the states we have whatnot and network app and you know we continue building partnerships and then another thing the real core thing that sets us apart is just how long we've been doing it you know this is not a business that we've been one foot in one foot out or just trying to extract revenue and profit from it's something that we love to do It's something that we've done for 13 years. There's vendors that have been traveling with us for 11, 12 years from, you know, the first Miami event. There's guys that have never stopped, Mm -hmm. that have been to every U.S. show and even beyond and gone international with us. So the trust that we've built with our vendors for them to know that they could travel cross country, book flights, hotels, ship inventory, Mm -hmm. spend money, like a significant amount of money or drive 30 hours from Florida to L.A., Right. And take that type of risk with their business and their product. Like, remember, I said 20 vendors, you know, we were giving them space away for free at the first sneaker con and guys right. wouldn't even go with 80 pairs of shoes yeah. from Brooklyn to, to, to Manhattan. Like mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. couldn't make that happen. And over the years, we've built the trust of the vendors that they know, like, I can take this 30 something hour drive with all my shoes and bring my thousands of pairs, take them out of storage unlist them from whatever consignment shop and, you know, and bring it to SneakerCon because I'm going to sell through 40, 50% of my inventory and really, you know, make what I would make 
doing sne- resale business in a month, I could do mm-hmm. it in one day or one weekend at SneakerCon. Right. We've done that. We've built that trust with our vendors. And also like the relationships, like we're the guys on the ground. We're, you know, I'm, you'll still see me carrying tables around, you know, you'll still see me building booths and, and, you know, getting my hands dirty. You'll still see Alan checking in the vendors, like jobs that when companies get so big or scale to a certain level, like you just won't see the president of the company doing those tasks. They'll just hire somebody else. But for us, it's so important that we greet every vendor when they walk in that you know who's who's the team that's running this, even if you don't know that it, that we're the ones that actually run it. Some mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. walk in and think we're employees, like yeah, just doing yeah. a job. And that's that's fine because that's how that's what we like. We like the fact that people know us. That we're the ones they have relationships with, not like some employee that's doing a job, a, a specific job for us and trying to come up on their own by building these relationships and whatnot. We're the ones with the relationships. We're the ones that have been looking out for a lot of vendors for all these years. We're the ones that allow kids to like launch brands at our show and, you know, sometimes even give them the space if we could, if it made sense mm-hmm. so that they could just uh, try it out and, and test it for their business. And, you know, we've helped launch a lot of small brands and we're fortunate enough to have people that really, really fuck with us, like to that degree of like family, you know what I mean? Like they've literally traveled with us around the nation, if not the world for more, you know, five, 10, five, six, seven, eight years, you know, and those relationships you can't replicate. You can do a sneaker event, you can call the same vendors, you can rent the same tables, but you just can't replicate the relationships that we've built over the years, how we've been true to our word, always, tried to go bigger and did that for our vendors and our brands and our partners. And yeah, I mean, there, there is no comparison. I'm not saying that to be arrogant or to be like, you know, we're the best, we're number one, but everybody tells us that. And that's gratifying. We're humbled by it, but we're not content. Next year, we got to go bigger. Every mm-hmm. city we hit, we got to do it bigger than the last one. Even a small city like Utah came out for the first time. It was our biggest event in a city that was the first event in that city Wow! to date, right? Yeah. And we said the same thing about Toronto. When we went to Toronto in, I believe it was 2017, it 2017. was the biggest first time in a city that we ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. keep doing that, right? Like we go yeah. to a new market and it's bigger than ever. Why? Because we're able to bring all these vendors from Florida, from Texas, from Cali, from New York, from, you know, all over the country, Chicago. And they'll go to a small market because they trust us, because they know that, you know, it's going to be worthwhile. Even if it's the worst sneaker con they ever did, it's still going to be the best sneaker event of the month or the year or whatever. You know, so they trust us. And, you know, we continue to be about our word and we challenge ourselves that we're not content. We want to go bigger and better every time. No, that's amazing here. And you're right. Like, I think one of the things is that, you know, you know, you kind of feed off each other, like, you know, SneakerCon feeds off of some of the vendors and vendors feed off of you. You kind of give each other that energy, right, to make the events bigger and better. Like, that was a good point, actually. I didn't even remember. But when we were in um, our first SneakerCon and the turnout was huge, we were at the Entercare Center, which has been every year and you'll be there again. There was vendors around us from Detroit. There was uh, vendors from New York, just all over the U.S. too, and not just Toronto. And it was like, man, these guys drove across the border 
you know, with their stuff. And they still came to Canada, you know, to, to do that event. And it became one of the biggest, biggest events because, like you said, there's people that were following you guys because they trust you guys. They know that you guys are going to put on an event that caters to vendors, but also caters to the community as well, which is great to see. So, like, we were from Toronto, so it was easy for us to bring our inventory. But, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that, too. Like, I know that you guys are sending out packages with, like, declaration forms and all this other stuff that, you know, some of these other events are not doing and you kind of have to they have to figure it out on their own how to get you know 100 plus pairs or whatever maybe even a thousand pairs over without getting like clipped on you know taxes yeah. and customs yeah. and you know importation stuff like that right so it's crazy that you mentioned that so just give us a little bit of background on you know what goes into planning you know some of these big events you know like you have guys that are coming in from across the border you got guys that are coming in from overseas sometimes even yeah. um you know to to be vendors so you know what goes into the planning of you know such a big event like sneakercon yeah i mean you know it all starts out with a venue we use a lot of the top convention centers all across the country and the world and that's part of the trust, right? We've worked in so many venues over 13 years, and we have great references with all the venues. We've been able to do a youth culture, mostly urban population event that most nice convention center venues would not want our crowd per se. You know, they rather have a pharmaceutical convention trade show every week than mm-hmm. have, you know, you know, the kids from the hood or, or, or whatever coming into their venue you know, tagging up in the bathroom stalls and, you know, just doing stuff that they don't have to deal with when they have, you know, some of these business trade shows and stuff like that. So we've been fortunate enough to do shows and do them successfully. And again, that takes planning. So, you, you you know, so the first thing is the venues allowing us, you know, the opportunity to, to utilize their spaces. Some of those venues wouldn't just let any Joe Schmo businesses in the door. So that's number one is getting a date with a venue. And then it's everything from, you know, getting insurance to protect ourselves and our business and the venues and all of that and the people at the shows from anything, any accidents, anything happening to, you know, hiring labor, security, ticket checkers, rigging, you know, some of our decorative signage and things like Mm, that, renting equipment like lifts and forklifts and all these type of things, building the show the day before, you know, most people don't know that we build the show in literally one day and then tear it down after one or two days. And there's a ton of things, you know, working with electricians and rigging a a LED screen. And, you know, it's just a ton of different things. And not to mention having to conversate and sign up, you know, anywhere between 200 to 500 vendors per event, working with brands, small and big, managing those conversations just from a communication standpoint you Mm -hmm. know the amount of emails we're answering and phone calls we're answering and texts we're answering i mean nobody on our team has it easy when it comes to communications i mean we're really tapped in with the community that we serve and it's it's all those things right logistics shipping freighting a, a truck with all our you know supplies and decor right i mean it's it's yeah, it's all those things more you know what i mean endless. absolutely yeah. yeah and i think i don't think people understand just how much goes into it to create the experience i think what you guys are trying to do is create experience because you guys have influencers shoe tubers you guys have dennis rodman you were saying yep. you know what i mean like there's stage events there's 
there was years where we had basketball court and, and, you know, events revolving around that. And I don't think people realize just how much goes into it. And, and also, like you said, you know, your entire team, whether it's, you know, someone that was hired to answer calls or if it's even yourself. I know over the years, I've gotten an email from you saying, thank you for contacting SecretCon. Here's the vendor information you're asking for. Just the other day, like a couple of weeks ago, Alan called me on the phone because I put my phone number and it was Alan that called me. And he's like, oh, this is Alan from SecretCon. And I'm like, co-founder Alan? He's like, yeah, that's me. I'm like, oh, you know, and, and, and he's like giving out vendor information. So it sounds to me, it's like all hands on deck. And, uh, you know, in order to be successful, you can't be somebody that's like, you know, I'm above this person because I'm the founder. You kind of almost have to, like you said, get your hands dirty and build booths, check tickets, greet every vendor. And that's kind of how you build those relationships with a lot of people don't understand. Yo, uh, Kev, just to, to touch on that, actually, I was at SneakerCon in ATL and Will is like all over the place. I seen you, I don't know if you were, I see you at, I saw you at the door and then later on in the day you were doing the auction. Me and my friends were like, yo, sell them foam runners. You're like, oh, I guess they want them foam runners. And then you sold them and I was laughing because my friend won that bid. You're like, okay, she got it. And then you were like, yo, get her for the fit check. I remember. So that was a, a good, they had a great experience, honestly. They've never been to a sneaker con, so I took them with me in Atlanta. And you, you like really honestly, like I remember seeing you at the door and Will kind of does everything. Like I, I've never like worked with Will, but I see him everywhere because I go to a lot of the sneaker cons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. we're all hands on deck. Yeah, now I was just saying, did when you when you probably won't remember though, but the Toronto show, were you working the authentication table? Uh, yeah, probably like back in 2017. It was 2018. Like that. Was 2018? It? Yeah, that yeah, gotta be you, man. It's funny when you came on because I'm like, yo, where does this dude look familiar from? I'm trying to put my finger on it the whole time. So, yeah, Toronto, if you were working the authentication table, I came up to the table with a dude because I was selling the Yeezy 2 Solar Reds. And I had paid the dude, the first person in line, because I'm like, fuck that. I'm not waiting in the line. So I go to the dude who was next up. I'm like, yo, I'll give you $20. Let me cut you. So I gave him the $20. And then I come to the table, whatever. And then I say to you, I'm like, yeah, I just paid you 20 bucks. And I remember if this was you, I'm pretty sure it was you. You was like, I would have took that 20. And I'm like, ah, next time. <laughs> and, then, and then you was like, you said to me, this, it had to be you. And the voice is what gave it away. I'm like, dude sounds familiar because we were talking. And you're like, yo, let me see what you're rocking. And I had on Ben Twos. And he was like, oh, okay. you're, you're an OG collector. And I'm like, yeah. And then we kind of did the transaction. So I'm 100%. Now that you're saying that. Yeah, yeah. You guys move around like that? I am pretty sure it was you I was talking 100%, to. 100%. Because it was the voice that gave it away for me. Yeah, man. I remember that uh, shit like it was absolutely. yesterday. Yeah, because I remember you saying, like, y'all would have took that $20. I'm like, man, next time. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't even thinking like that, right? Like, I'm like, yo, I'm going to pay dude, the first dude. I'll give him the 20 He let me cut him. And then you're like, y'all would have took that 20 So I was like, all right. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was you, man, now that you guys are kind of seeing all of that. So that's crazy. I've touched every everything from content creation, shooting videos, editing videos. You know, I was just on, on a news interview in Utah and I was, I've always been the guy to kind of jump on the radio shows and news interviews before an event and kind of hype up the show. And I mean, everything, man. I do sponsorship sales now and like build a lot of the brand partnerships we have. And you'll still see me at the door. You'll still see me placing vendors at the tables. You'll still see me putting up some booths and moving some tables. It's just like, Whatever we got to do to make sure the show is clean, seamless, goes well, everybody has a positive experience, we really do our best. And everything, you know, that that includes when we were doing authentication, 
ourselves. You know, I, I probably authenticated for like two, three years. And I really um, did a lot of the conceptualizing and operational design for the eBay AG program. So, you know, that all led to that. And we've just been blessed to really be able to keep taking things to the next level and work with brands such as eBay now and, you know, network and monster energy and things like that. Yeah. It sounds like to me, like the, the common thing is that you guys are all passionate about what you do. You're passionate about Sneakercon as a brand and you're passionate about just bringing your event to the different cities. And we see that because, you know, you're always tapping into to new places, right? Like you said last week with Salt Lake City. And then you've mentioned to us before, like, you know, you had shows in Asia where there have been shows in Asia before. Like you're trying to hit all these places where, you know, people don't normally have sneaker con show up and you want to make it, you know, you want to make it happen for them. But, uh, you know, it all takes passion. It all takes dedication. And I don't think people had a chance to realize that. So thank you for sharing that, Will. I appreciate that. But, you know, over the years, you've been to, you said you've been to 13 years worth of sneaker cons yourself. You know, what's the craziest thing that you've seen? Like, are there some interesting things that you see at sneaker cons? Like, whether it's somebody's fit, trades, rare sneakers, uh, I mean, like, there's, there's gotta there's be. So, there's so many. I'm gonna keep it short just because like my newborn is okay. wilding out right now in okay, the background. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't want to cut it short, but you know, I want to keep the answer short so I can get to that. But um, yeah, the the craziest thing I think just has to be uh, in 2015. It was our first event in the Javits Center in New York, and we actually booked Penny Hardaway to come do a signing, and we had him for about a couple of hours. It was not highly promoted that he was going to be there. You know, people just kind of stumbled upon it, and the same day of the event, Chris Rock brought his daughter to shop for sneakers to that event. He was, I think he was living in Jersey at the time. My I still live in Jersey and he brought his daughter and we actually had Chris Rock, who was the voice of Lil Penny in the commercial. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cross paths on the floor with Penny Hardaway. And That's they like crazy. gave each other a pound. This was yeah. in the 2015 was still like a very pinnacle time for foams. You know, they yeah. hadn't died just yet. And phone posits, New York, Penny Hardaway, Chris Rock, Lil Penny, that just in terms of like a pinnacle moment that we didn't even plan, Mm -hmm. like for that to happen under our roof was just like a sneaker history, iconic, just meetup that just kind of stumbled, we stumbled upon that. And it was, it was amazing. It was, I would just stop at that one. There's been so many, if you want to talk about sneaker trades people stumbling upon a pair of like OG Jordan ones before they hit the kind of prices they are today. Mm-hmm. But like random Jordan, OG Jordan ones, not cracked or anything like just perfect condition that some guy had in his basement somewhere, right. like just random stuff like that. A pair of air mags, self-lacing, you know, selling for, for 70 grand at the show. Just a ton, man. It's, it's honestly, we could have an episode just about like, pinnacle moments yeah yeah maybe next next year toronto yes sir well listen well i don't want to take too much of your time because i know your newborn newborn's uh you know asking for you right now but thank you again for all the stories we look forward to seeing you on september 17th and 18th at the show so yeah no again just thank you so much for for sharing all that no no worries guys i look forward to seeing all of you at the show sir thank you for having me on i always love talking these stories and talking kick definitely absolutely absolutely yeah we appreciate you I, jumping on with us well any shout outs quickly before we head out guys 
I, you know what? I'm just going to shout out the SneakerCon team, you know, just, you know, for putting on the, the sneaker show and, you know, for Will just to sort of giving us the little bit of background on all the stuff that you guys do. So shout outs to the entire SneakerCon staff and, you know, just uh, for, for everything that you do. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably <laughs> the best one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. We've, we've always had a great time at SneakerCon. Every time it's been up here, we, it's just, we always, we come out on top. We have a great time. The, kind of what you guys said. You guys are checking people in. You're checking how we're doing. Like Kev, having Alan call you personally about you know setting up a vendor table is crazy, right? You can go to smaller sneaker shows, and that's not what's happening, right? So, yeah, Will, we appreciate you jumping on. We appreciate that you're bringing the show back up to Canada and that, that you brought it up there here a couple of years ago. We always have a fantastic time, and we're really excited for the for the show to come back this year. So, get this yeah, guy to you all there. Yeah, okay. yes, sir. Oh, so, yeah, he's wilding right now. Oh yeah, I'm four times. He, he didn't that, hit. So I he don't. didn't hit on a pair of kicks. He didn't hit on a pair. Of kicks. <laughs> he's not having a good day. So that daddy gonna pay. <laughs> yeah, right. Guys, as always, thank you everyone for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at In Kicks We Trust. Make sure you use the hashtag In Kicks We Trust for a potential feature. And if you've enjoyed the episode and are new here, make sure you go back. We kind of just chop it up about kicks every week. This is what we do. It. It doesn't age because we don't usually talk about current topics. We just want to have a conversation with people or a conversation about kicks. You can find me on Instagram at Trevsky63. Kev, where can they find you? You can call me. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, Kevin K. Man. Alan can call you and personally, you know, talk yeah. to you, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> Colin, where can they find you? Just find me a sneaker con. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Juan, where can they find you? I was going to say the same thing. You can find me at SneakerCon. And let's talk more about sneakers and community and stuff. Mainly so. Jordan 1s, but everything's free game, right? 100%. Everything is fair game, guys. <laughs> Come on, Juan. You got the outro. We didn't, we didn't get to hear it this week. <laughs> I know, but it, I, Will is on, man. And, like, I've seen Will so many events, even from, like, the beginning. And I was just like, man, we'll actually see each other. We, uh, we have a lot of, like, friends in common, too. Because I'm from Jersey, oh, yeah. Will. I bet. Rich, where can they find you? You can find me on IG, Grill Status 13. And Will, where can they find you? IG as well, Twitter, Will Never Stops. That's pretty easy. Spelled out just like that. Awesome. Will, we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Hopefully everyone that's listening to this will we'll get to see you at SneakerCon. Where we're going to have some tables, so make sure you come say what up to us. Guys, everyone stay awesome. safe and be well. We will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>